This session is brought to you by Define Use Move Retreat. You know, you're in your mother's womb for like nine months, like nine long months. And that's when you're like being fed and nourished and you're growing. Um, you don't know what's all happening outside your world, but you are going through things even though you don't know. Um, I think that's something that like, if you won't worry about this problem nine months from now, or, or um, why would you let it attack your life now? Welcome to Define You Radio. Class is in session each week with guests who didn't let their past define them and have found a way to define themselves in life, money, and business. Pens and papers ready. Class is now in session with your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace. Hey, kings and queens, and welcome to Define You Radio. I'm your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace. Class is in session today with MC Ray. He is an author of The Unveiled. He's passionate about the arts, especially the power of storytelling. And you guys know how I tell you your story will change somebody's life. You never know. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into why it's important to create characters that look like you and feel like you and think like you. So we're going to find that out in more pens and papers ready. Let's go ahead and welcome MC Ray to the show. Hey, hon, how you doing? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Am I the first person to say MC Hammer? I can't. Yeah, yes, nobody ever gets that <laughs> reference. So when I call, do call, do call out, like order out food, I'm like MC, like MC Hammer. And I'm hoping that the person on there is not like a millennial or something. <laughs> and doesn't know like what MC Hammer is, so then it doesn't help my cause. But it's worked so far uh, now. So you're the first person that said MC Hammer. <laughs> so I was so excited to talk to you today for different reasons because this book in particular is a fantasy book, and I think that's so interesting to me because mostly a lot of people I know or have interviewed do you know nonfiction or something like that. So I think this is very interesting. But before we get into all that, when did you start writing? So I started writing. I was about six years old when I wrote my first book. It was called The Little Frog. And I went on to like uh, like the national, I think, level um, for storytelling or, or and writing in um, elementary school. Um, so I think that's like the first time I can remember there um, being um, or that was the first time I remember writing for actual purpose. Um, but it could have very well probably been before that, but like obviously the notoriety makes it like ring in my head. Um, but ever since then, I've been writing like all the time, um, all that I can remember. I love that. Like I thought I was special because I could verify the first thing I ever wrote, wrote, I was eight, but you got me. Beat. Oh yeah. Six and eight are just babies, you know? Right. And and I tell people, because I, I posted it one day, it was a poem um, that didn't rhyme, but it was still a poem when my great-grandfather yeah. died. You know, as you put books out there and all of these things come to you, like that is a priceless thing that, you know, you never know. So how, what's your writing process? Like, you know, with coming up with the story, creating characters, like, do you have a formal process with that or... What does that look like? Um, so on a, in a normal space, I guess when I was first writing um, this book, and there's other ones to follow. I've completed the entire series. I'm not ready to reveal 
what all, um, how many books there are, but there are others after this. But um, I was living in St. Simons at the time, so I had like a lot of more free time on my hands. And so, um, but I still do this goal um, now. It's just like on a much smaller scale because I am, um, like, obviously like, taking on more things. Um, but when I was in St. Simons, I would set a goal for like a thousand words a day. And mm-hmm. it would allow me to crank out um, material and always be ready to brainstorm it. Also, if I knew um, during the day that I'd be thinking, I would be going ahead and thinking about what I wanted the actual storyline to do as well as right before writing the book. I think that helps for like, even if you do navigate towards another path or another um, plot within the story, that you have something that you're working on or working towards. And so it helps build characters. Like if I know um, for the end, like for the, the next book that I want um, my main character to like learn how to fly all of a sudden or realize she can fly. Then I need to, um, I kind of orchestrate that web um, as far as like what I would want prior to writing. So it helps for me to have material for the, to so reach my word goals. And I think that also helps with editing, that helps with generating multiple ideas. It also allows you to realize the flow of a story and help come up with something that might be an extension of that. Like let's say she realizes to fly, but you know, levitation might fit the storyline better, which is a little bit different. Um, or just a little bit different in context or something that I think I'm thinking I would want to happen way later in the book. I think um, just doing those two things, setting that word goal, because you need to be consistently writing. Cause I feel like there's everybody's a million times have like waited two or three days between writing and they have to go back and read yeah. whatever they wrote before to like get back in the flow. Um, but setting that word goal and definitely having a, a loose skeleton for what you want. And I think that go, we go for anything, even like script writing that I do or uh, regular writing, poetry. Um, things of that sort. Um, I think setting that skeleton of what's how you'd like to be, like key points that you want, and it helps for the flow of your um, natural thing. So those two things, I would say, are my like process that has processes that have worked for me. I I love that, um, especially setting the word goal because I'm definitely one of those people. Like I have to do it like when the mood strikes. So yeah, I will go. Yeah days and weeks and I have to go back and reread. So next time I will try that setting a word yeah. goal to do every day. Cause I'll get like, oh, not today, you know? Okay. So I've heard different advice when it comes to writing RL Stein, um, the guy that oh, wrote goosebumps, something I saw him on, but he was saying he start with the end in mind. Like, so he'll start his books knowing how the book's going to end. Do you do do that or do you think that would be helpful if you did it? Um, I, I think I, I do include that as part of the story skeleton. Um, I definitely know, like, I knew well um, within, I wouldn't say the completed story because it is mine's a series and R.L. Stein does, doesn't do, like, um, he does one book per, I think, story. So I think they're intercorrelated. Like when I used to read Goosebumps as a child, but I think that <laughs> helps with me for sure. Like when I like when I wrote The Unveiled um, and the book um, to come after. Like I definitely for each one of those had in mind how I wanted the, what twist I wanted at the end, what I wanted revealed, um, and things like that. And it just helped kind of to create a flow in the story that like allows for that setup to happen, and then it also helps create a story that kind of on its own. Um, so if I need a character to like drive this character to a certain location where this event happened that I knew that I wanted to happen, um, it kind of helps with the story. So I do that 
in mind. I wouldn't say that I would skip automatically to the end because I don't want it to be finite, but I think I definitely, as far as the skeletons process, like build the whole beginning to end in a loose way and then write the story from there. So that way I, I at least have some context. Because um, the worst thing to do that, but I, I, I would hate, to, I personally would hate to do that because just like my books are a little bit lengthy, um, is to write that ending and then like be so focused on orchestrating that when you might not have enough material um, mm. to get to that point and that point might need to be like a midway throughout the book and then something else needs to be the the you know the end or, the, or end all be all so um i think that works for him just because of like his book links and like because they're each separate specific stories for the most part yeah um versus the theories yeah exactly but i don't think i could do it um as far mm. as, as far as that goes um but i, I definitely appreciate his um his concept i think definitely like like someone writing poetry um yeah. things like that i think that's something that like i think has some of what i want to invoke by um this um poem what, what what is the overall message and what i would like to have ending um so i think that's something that i definitely have to utilize um during um writing i i love that i when i heard his advice i was like oh that's interesting but hearing your process, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I think one of the reasons why I called the, you know, the subtitle or whatever for the show is classes in session, because I learn as the audience learn and you're never too old because I'm one of those people I will. And I have ADD, too. And I and it, but I could write because of that, <laughs> you know, like really yeah. like. um, So. I literally just start writing. No, I and build uh, my characters from there. And what's funny, because I could easily, what I call, pull the trigger on nonfiction. Like I could easily pull the trigger on, you know, the story of my life or putting people's stories yeah. together. But I'm very uh, possessive and have yet to release any fiction or fantasy or anything like that. Have you dipped your toes into the nonfiction world any, and do you see that happening? Um, hmm. I can't say forever, like, spoken. I'm just definitely, as far as my own story, that'd be a work of um, nonfiction. But yeah. I think, like, telling someone else's story or writing that in that space would be hard. Um, for me, just because I like to write outside the box, even my stories that are uh, fictitious, but are based on our current world. Like if I was to talk about living in Atlanta and I had four fictional characters, but I'm using the reference that's like a real place. Even that sometimes hard for me. Um, so uh, I think it would be something that I kind of would be interested in, but it would just be a total, I would definitely feel like I'd have to have a totally different approach to it than yeah. the fiction. But it is something that I'm interested in. I just don't know how good I would be at it. I love when people could just let their mind open. And normally people aren't that that free. Like I'm really possessive when it comes to, which is, and I've published, I don't know how many books, seven, eight, whatever. Oh. Um, as a child, I wanted to be the black female Stephen King. Right. Yeah. I was reading Stephen King in like seventh grade, eighth grade. I'm talking about it like the big books. And so I just knew I was going to be the black female Stephen King. So I do have like my imagination is 
crazy. And I think because of that, I'm a little possessive over that, over inviting somebody into a world that I created. So that's very interesting. I might need to talk to my therapist friend about that part to see. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. And, you know, reading over, reading about you and I love everything I saw. I love when um, young authors and young people are just out there just doing it and being expressive. But one of the things you mentioned that your biggest obstacle was letting go. Yeah. How how does this affect you as a as an author? I think that is a great like a, a big piece of me, especially um I think it came about um as far as this way of thinking because we can't control um everything. But I think the things we do control, we kind of try to hold on to those things as finite as well. And I think that's kind of a bigger problem than the realization that like life throws you curveballs, you know? You should yeah. you should ride the waves whether they're good or bad, not like hold on tight to the good waves and like rebel and roll around in the bad ones, you know, because I think that's like just a bad way of living. I think you should take, I think joy is just a greater expression than happiness. And I feel like joy isn't dependent upon good or bad waves. It's gratefulness that you can like ride the water no matter what, you know? So I think that that's my whole ambition of like making sure that, um, that, you're always in this space of moving forward, of pushing yourself, of resilience. Um, even now, like if anything bad happens to me, I don't let it, I don't harp on it for um, for more than three days. I won't let myself deal with it for three days. And the concept behind that is like, we were in our, um, and even now I've talked to my friends about this, and this might be a little out there, but you know, you're in your mother's womb for like nine months, like nine long months. And that's when you're like being fed and nourished and you're growing. Um, you don't know what's all happening outside your world, but you are going through things even though you don't know. Um, I think that's something that, like, if you won't worry about this problem nine months from now, or, or um, why would you let it attack your life now? So yeah. um, I definitely was in a space at one point where, like, um, like something had happened, and, like, I let it bother me for, like, months. And it was just, like, just to go out on the other end and realize that, wow, like, I could, I could not have, I could have, I could not found a more worse way, a worse way to waste time than feeling sorry for myself. Mm. And so when I could, it would have just been so easy to let go. And so I think um, that was just something that I appreciate now as far as my, myself goes and just like finding that state of joy and being a person that um, always looking to uh, push themselves forward. I just don't have time to be um, to wait around anymore, you know, like to um, not let go and move on. So when you talked about your resilience, is it important as you build your characters that they incorporate some of those traits that you value? Or do you make them like opposite of you? Um, I think I put all of those, uh, that all comes into account with me. Um, I think I put characters in there that I want to, the, the people to kind of stray away from. Um, yeah. I definitely feel yeah. like I like there. Well, not, I don't think to be too binary, but I like for people to feel sorry for characters that are bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, or not bad in the sense of like abusive because of, yeah. um, that's just that thing to feel sorry for. We're just kind of just to hear a full story and kind of know like why this person feels this way or why 
or just even like seeing the growth through a character and real and like them like being like, Well, I don't like this character, but then all of a sudden it's like their favorite person or character that like we like no one would think would do something, does it? And it's just like, wow, that person's not as good as they thought. And I feel like we're all a part of a, a spectrum of um always being like um that some that we're either good or bad people. And I don't yeah. think it's always a thing. I think we choose to be good or bad people. Yeah. Um, but all of us are capable of, capable of great good and great evil. And so I think that's just a part of the dimension of humanity. And I think that's something that I want to be invoked in my characters, but also that like at some point we have to have accountability for what we know and what we've learned and what we've experienced. And that being the true determinant of whether or not we're good or bad people. We can all say that we've been through things, but you know, if we get to a place where we're invoking that energy on others, then you are an evil person, no matter what you've been through. You know, like so I think that's something that I've tried to put throughout my books. I wanna make sure um and those are pieces of me. I think I try to hold myself accountable on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, for for my actions and how I treat people. Even when I go through bad things, um and that's why I feel like people sometimes people think they're going through things because of like it's their storm, but maybe it's their karma. I'm a believer of like what you put out there comes back tenfold. Mm-hmm. And um, and even out of that respect, I just have like so much more respect for people that are living their lives just as I am, you know. So when I go through things, I know that this is just like a part of the the life way. I don't even try, I don't even try to do whether it's karma or um or if it's just a storm that I'm going through because like I accept all what life has given me because that's what living is. And so I think I want my characters to make to surely be that shining example and I want that feeling and that emotion to be felt and um, definitely as the other books go on like people are going to feel like their beliefs about themselves as well as the characters to be challenged on a regular basis and actually have to make those decisions in their head whether a character is good or bad based off what they read and I want it to be debatable I want it to be like something where it's like here are all the facts and you have something to look at and I feel like, cause I feel like that's how um, sometimes characters should be it's almost good, it almost goes back how like on Disney villains, they're all like these hideous creatures that they make look really look ugly. They're normally like wearing dark colors or are unattractive yeah. and somehow like, you know, it's just like like so cliche that like these people were like born to be looking this way so they became evil and it's just like doesn't make sense. You know? I wanna make I don't want that as far as my writing goes or how portrayal happens um is happening. And also a lot of the character and descriptions are based off of things that I see on a regular basis and in myself. Um, even down to like skin complexion and hair. Um, so the book is all about me as a person, but also a lot about how I view the world and how I, how I view human interactions. Mm. So so much wisdom. So much wisdom. Because <laughs> there is good and evil in, in all of us. I, I don't care what people say. There's that uh, proverb that says uh, we all have two wolves inside of us, one evil and one good. And the one that wins is the one we feed the most. But there's still that other wolf inside of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds, that actually sounds, like, I, I, I want to think about it before, but that makes, that makes, like, it's a, um, I mean, like, it's like, because the wolves are like these, there are these dominating animals. It's like, who's going to come out on top, like, this for that wolf? So, yeah. definitely get that analogy. It's, um... I want to say like a Cherokee proverb or, or something of that nature, but I always thought oh, it was it very like interesting. A, it like one. So why why is it important? What why is it important to you to write character that reflect you and look like you? I think it's important for a number of reasons. I feel like the reason we actually don't have many 
um, black fantasy writers as far as the whole is because um, we don't get to see ourselves. Like you said, like a lot of people do um, works of non-fiction. Um, we also have always been in the space of doing the same narratives over and over again and, and maybe uh, fantasizing those, but they it would instill the same realm. They are um, super pointing to the same, the same story. Um, so I, I definitely wanted something where it was just like, this is a fantasy, a new story, but it looks like you, you know what I mean? And I want people to, uh, even like looking back on the effect that um, obviously the unveiled was like, been built and all the other books were probably written well before it like this even came on TV. Um, but um, Black Panther and the effect it had as far mm-hmm. as, even though it, I feel like its storyline, although fantastical, is still um, like very conjoined to the idea of slavery and what happened post-slavery or um, an actual storyline that connects to, you know, Marvel's basically just the world, but like if we had superheroes. And so mm-hmm. I think that's based on the interest. I just wanted people to read a book um, no matter their shades or their colors and like to, to like enjoy it. Like something that I would say the similar feeling is just like how Brown, like Beyonce put out Brown Skin Girl. This is like probably the closest example I have, but like people, regular people, everybody was listening and playing it to this. And there were memes going around of like a white woman who was like me listening to Brown Skin Girls, even though it's not about me. And she's like dancing and jamming out to it. I'm just like, like it shouldn't be a thing when everybody else in this world has to connect to authors all the time that don't like write characters that look like us. It shouldn't be rocket science for them to do the same courtesy, especially for a good story. So I think that's um, one reason why I think it's important to write characters like us, because I feel like we don't get to see ourselves in that facet, but also the world should see us in that facet. Yeah. And I feel like if anyone's actually magical in this world, it is black and brown people. Um, and especially the black women that I highlight. I say I'm magic all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, like, really, just the, the things that we've accomplished as a, a culture, um, the influence, that's all magic. So I think um, that's something that I wanted to be able to in a, in a book. And I also want people to be able to read it and um, see that. And obviously, there's like a, um, there's a, uh, a, a audience out there that's willing to receive it. Um, there's this book called, I don't know if you've heard of it, Children of Blood and Bone. Yeah, um, I heard of it. Hadn't put my hand on it yet, though. Yeah, I just bought it. So I'm just like, oh, wow, there's another. Um, of course, that's still based in Africa. And I don't know if it's centered around still things that happen in the real world or if this is like a discovery of magic. But, you know, I'm going to read it and see. And I'll have like a whole review. Probably I'll do it on YouTube. Um, but, yeah, it's something that um, that I feel like even on a basic level, like people are ready to read it just for the fact that we have that absence in that market. So I think um, that's something that goes a long way to say that um, a lot of people really want the opportunity to um, delve into something that's new with no matter the color, but uh, definitely for other black girls, especially to see such a strong female lead in a fantastical um, book where they're normally not even included in regular series is something that I feel like is super important. I I agree. Cause you know, I'm just going back in my mind with things that I read growing up. With the exception of it, which I wish I never would have read the book. Ooh, no, I, I, I think I've ever read but like if you can't you know I'm like yourself, I would not want to read it, but I might want to go, but well see, I've always loved um sci fi and horror. But mm-hmm. again, you know, as you're talking, there was no representation of 
characters that I could relate to. And if they could, I would get a hot two minutes and they would die in in the, you know, movies, you know, just thinking about and appreciating that for that next generation that could see themselves in the books, the type of books they like to read and exploring that. So what inspired you to write a fantasy novel versus um, like sci-fi or horror or like a love story? Like, why did you go that route? Um, I think it's because it's something that I've always been interested in. Like, when I think of, like, my favorite movies and favorite books, it's always been um, fantasy. Um, and, and I feel like the opportunity to create a whole new world is a unique opportunity because you get to uh, you get to introduce something that no one's read before. And so, because, you know, I've completely made every single thing up. And so I think that was the opportunity that I couldn't pass up. I definitely want to be able to have, um, have something that exists within the bounds of reality. Um, and it's like distant cousins. Like I want to be totally unrelated to, you know, the world that as we know it. And so that was something that I felt like um, was why I picked fantasy for sure. Um, I definitely wanted um, all about seeing black elves and, um, um, or even like, um, the oppressor in a, in a storyline, but just people that like these elves are living their lives as regular people. Like they're just like, as if you walked down the street and you saw an elf, you know what I mean? Like, so I think I definitely wanted that to be, um, a, a centralized, that was one of the centralized themes of why I decided to pick fantasies because I wanted, I don't see those characters often. If it's, um, fantasy, on TV where it's like, even where it's like Lord of the Rings, like you don't really see many black characters or if any on those stories. And so that's something that I um, feel like should be changed. And so I'm like, well, let me create my own book and my yeah. own fantasy where people can read it and enjoy. Yeah, I agree. And you never know who knew Harry Potter would end up a whole ride at Universal, which I love, but the ride, the line is entirely too long. But like, as you, as you're, speaking which is something i never really like thought about to the to the forefront of my mind i guess just that representation of you know i have nieces that that are young and you know i still watch stuff and my son and people i know but that rep- that lack of representation i guess is where i'm going does get to be a norm to where you just like it's just another thing. So it's now it's like now you're creating a new normal. So I, I congratulate you again. Oh, thank you. How do you see the unveiled affecting issues in the world today, even though it's like a creative world? Um, one thing that I have on there is definitely addressing prejudice um, within communities. A lot of it outside the stereotypical, like, you know, being prejudiced is wrong. Um, it definitely takes into account using your privilege as an as also because um, there's like some privileges that I have that you know you don't have as a woman and making sure that yeah. I use those privileges to not join in on the oppressor and oppressing a group, but also which a lot of men do, especially um, and just to call it a space where a lot of black men do um, in that country, even though they know that even though they they've tasted racism on the end when it comes to being a man sometimes that disconnect, um, sometimes it becomes just as 
as bad as those that feel like, um, as white men that, cause they feel like that's a commonality. I definitely don't want, I definitely want that to be a theme of just making sure you use whatever privilege you have to uplift mm-hmm. others and not to use it to oppress others. I think that's something that's, um, super, super important as far as like my mindset and, um, allowing for a better world for all. Um, also another theme in this, um, is definitely just that anybody can be whatever they want to be. Um, I definitely wanted it to be a theme of whatever you get. I think sometimes the theme in books and movies and things like that is like once you get what you want, it's just kicks and giggles, and that's where happiness is found. Right. And, I, uh, and, just, and that's why I'm not like a huge proponent of like just finding happiness. Like joy is, a, is like a state of mind. It's just it's an action. Um, Alia, the, my main character, gets exactly what she's always wanted, and it doesn't end in the way that she thought it would. Mm. And I think that um, not to say that she doesn't deserve, but it's just like with more power comes great responsibility. And I think that's a, a, a theme throughout like superhero movies. You know, you hear it in Spider-Man, but I don't think they've ever like kind of portrayed it in the fact of like, you know, it's kind of like he became Spider-Man. It's like, oh, he's an amazing superhero. And, you know, every episode ends well. And I just don't want that to be the theme within my book. So I want to make sure that like, you know, like you can get whatever you want, but you know, it doesn't mean that that's where your happiness is found. You know what I mean? Like that just means that you have another, uh, uh, another goal to maintain and push through. So those few things besides um, seeing just people that you normally don't see on the forefront um, are two big things that I made sure to include in my story and in the books that I wrote. I, I love that. So the main character is a is a female. Yes, yeah, she's a female elf. And so she there are humans in the city, so she's above the elves. I mean, she's above the, I'm sorry, she's above the humans. So they treat them a little um, bad because of the history of their city, which um, is talked about a little in the book as, as far as this book goes. But um, she's also, because she's a female, she's treated lesser than by other elves. And so, um, like, like they have arranged marriages um, to agree, like, uh, they, like women are allowed to have, um, or I guess female elves aren't allowed to have, um, like, actual careers that they would like want like it's more like either you serve your home or you can join like as entertainment things like that or um become like just like very small trivial things that like if you had an actual dream where as far as like the heels have the have the capacity to be whatever they want to be and so it's something that she um that she fights for but also she has to address her own prejudices against the humans who live in the city which it brings up like that first um, point that I had that um, that you can't be fighting for your own rights, but like fighting to keep ones away from others, because then oh. it's like a never-ending circle of like, what well, I want, what I want, but that person shouldn't have what they had, and that doesn't, you know, make sense um, in the grand scheme of things, you know. I mean, oh, it's man. fantasy, but it sounds so real world. Yes, for sure, and I think that's like, kind of the best part. You get you get that escape um, in 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 reading um, something that's new or disconnected but you also get to like realize like and utilize the points and the themes in your real life and so that's something that i want to make sure to happen i want to like hit you hit a nail on the head but because we're in a, a fictitious world like there is no nail <laughs> no right right yeah. so what's the what's the age group so to speak um i would definitely say teenage to young adult Okay. Um, but like you said, like I want everybody to read it. Um, you know, you still read Harry Potter and watch the movies. I probably yeah. will forever. Um, so I think it transcends that. Uh, I think it's just mainly made for people who want to read a good story. Uh, if I had to give my own um, pitch of the person that would be reading it, just my age. 
or mm-hmm. um or genre or genre specific group. Um, I would say it's somebody who like likes fantasy, likes a good story, and um, wants to support um, just a new um, face in this genre. Is it um, clean enough to where, you know, like a 10, 11, 12-year-old could read it? Yes, for sure. Okay. Um, so teenagers, young adults, I would say. I don't, I don't have a thought about the youngest, but definitely teenagers and young adults, I feel like, would. Like, I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait to get my hands on it, as I'm sure most of the audience is now by this point. <laughs> okay, so one quick question. Have yeah. you started on book two? Yes, I've actually completed the, the whole entire series. So book two, we're, um, I'm hoping to be able to uh, put out on Dece- in December of 2020. I'm one of those readers, like, I have like froze in time literally for like six hours to finish a book before because I couldn't put it down. And yeah. so um which I have that feeling when when I get your book in my hands that it's gonna be the same way. And then I'm gonna have a calendar scratching down the months to the next release. Which yeah. is fine. <laughs> yeah, this is hopefully this will be the first time I, I mean the, the first and only time I'd have to have that uh over a year release for the for the second one. But I definitely want to, um, just because it's a new book, drum up that audience that like will, will yeah. fall in love with this book, get people to review it, um, just so we could have like um, a following. But all great things come in time. So I feel like it's something that um, I know is going to be fantastic when it does come out. And it does so have to uh, wait. But, you know, <laughs> hopefully it'll be worth the way. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure it, it will be. And I'm, like I said, I'm definitely excited to get my hands on it. So for the listeners, how do they get the book, The Unveiled? Right, so they can either go to my website at hovenlray.com. That's J-O-V-E-N-E-L-R-A-Y.com and order it from there. They can go to Amazon, um, dot com barnes and noble and barnes and nobles dot com they can also go to com and buy that um or buy it that way uh so there's just a million ways you can enjoy this book um it's great um and yeah just if you do when you do got when you do guys do buy it just make sure you leave a review so that way other readers will know how fantastic it is and how much you liked it i agree a hundred percent leave a make sure you get the book leave a review Pass it to your friends, tell them to buy it and leave a review. And that's how we we do this thing. And we dominate um, the fantasy world. And, you know, just picture me as being the the black elf queen in the story. Like I'm throwing a whole title. <laughs> just just picture that. <laughs> MC, you are like phenomenal. I, I swear I've thoroughly... Like, I knew I was going to enjoy it, but I just didn't know how much. Like, I'm excited. Like, I'm ready to go out there and write something. How can the audience follow you, get in touch with you, and all of those good things on social media? So, I am on Instagram um, and Twitter at Hoven Elray. That's J-O-V-E-N-E-L-R-A-Y. Um, you can also follow the book page at Unveiled Series. That's both on Twitter and Instagram. And you can reach out to me also through my website at hovenallray.com. Um, there's a page at the bottom where you can subscribe, become part of the mailing list. 
Um, I respond to most things. So any one of those, um, those ways. Also, now that I have a YouTube channel, you can follow my videos there. Get a, if you want to listen to a little bit of the other things I talk about and get a feel for the thing. I also address the book a few times um, there and talk about things. And that's also at Hoven L. Ray. So it's all under one beautiful um, name, thank goodness, um, where you can find it, both, um, both me and um, the book. With that being said, pens and papers down, class is officially over. Make sure you subscribe to the show and support our guest, Mr. MC Ray, author of The Unveiled. So until next time, kings and queens, remember your past doesn't define you. It gives you definition. And what you do with that is up to you. Go to ValenciaGWallace.com and find out more about the Move Retreat because queens need a break too.